Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bring, bring it fast. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Dan from West Bromwich Albion Twitter account, Baggies Facts. Um, you can find me on there at Baggies Facts, and you can find some of my ramblings um, for Jay's Eagles Beat website, um, and I, I write a, an EPL column. Um, usually out on a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, um, available after weekend games. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm editor of the Eaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site. As Dan kindly mentioned, he writes a, f- a weekly column for us. Um, mostly Palace content, but we have uh, the odd uh, football-related content, which isn't uh, uh, focused on Palace. I also uh, work with a uh, on a radio show, a local community radio show, called Back of the Net, which is on Suzy Radio. You can get that online, and you can follow us at underscore Back of the Net underscore and Eaglesbeak. You can get me mostly on, on Twitter, at the Eaglesbeak. Hi, I'm Jamie Smith. I host the Burnley FC podcast, No Nay Never, which is available at nonaynever.net. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with Dan with the Albion perspective. We haven't had you on in a while. You know, some 1-0 wins, some 1-1 draws, (laughs) nothing particularly out of the ordinary. What's been your take on the past few weeks for the Albion? Um, there's a bit of, bit more discontent, really, amongst the fan base. Um, I think last time I was on, I was saying that Pudis, I've, oh, I've been saying it for a long time now, Pudis really does split the fan base. But we're now, um, we're now, you know, going in, in for a, more than a bad patch. We're, we're winless in eight games. Um, five defeats, three draws, albeit we got a draw at Spurs. Um, and we have faced Arsenal um, and West Ham and Man City and amongst that. But still, um, it's it's not really... It's a form of, of, of relegation um, side. It's a bit frustrating. It's like, it's like three points from 24. And when you, when you say it like that, it's a bit... It doesn't sound great at all. Um We've just, on the whole, throughout the whole season, we've just been a bit frustrating. Um, you know, a, a stat for you is that we're the only team in the top three tiers of English football to have not won a game by a margin of two goals or more. So every single game that we've won in the Premier League, all ten of them have been by a one-goal margin. I think seven of them have been by by a one-nil scoreline. And it, that just shows the kind of football that, that we're watching week in, week out. And yeah, it, it just seems like the, the end of the season can't come soon enough. And, and once we did really get in and around that 40 point mark and, and Villa were dropping off and Sunderland and Newcastle and Norwich were struggling, I think since then we've, we've not really been on the beach, but we've, we've just not clicked. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit fed up now of Pulis's comments of we were unlucky, the ref didn't do this, um, we should have scored blah blah amount of goals. I mean, you can't really complain about chances missed when we've created the you know the the least amount of chances in the Premier League. Um and you know it's it's just so frustrating. Like seven seven games this season in the Premier League, we've um we've actually failed to test the keeper at all. In seven whole football matches, we failed wow. to get a shot on target in 90 minutes of football, and and a couple of those games were against like Newcastle and Aston Villa. So it it just that's that paints a picture for you. But beyond all that, bit of a, a bit of a moan. Um, last away game of the season, 
we took plenty of away fans to Bournemouth. Um, great atmosphere, lots of singing, enjoying ourselves. Um, and we, we took the lead, 1-0. Went and missed a penalty. Typical Albion fashion, like, great say, onto the bar, ricocheted around and didn't go in. And, and then uh, it, it was obvious, I think, for most Albion fans what was going to happen from that point forward and we failed to win the game. Um, you can see why Bournemouth have, have been successful. Um, you know, they're not an easy side to play against. They've got a fair amount of quality, really, throughout the side. And, and you know, you've got to pay a testament to what they've done. They've got, a, and I don't mean this disrespectfully by using the word little, because it is a little ground in comparison to a lot of Premier League teams. And it is a great little ground, the traditional, and their fans backed them. And it was just a really, really lovely setting to, to have Premier League football. And it's, it's great to have them around. And they've, they've done a great job, Bournemouth, this season. Um, in, in you know confirming their Premier League status for next season, so I'm not too despondent with a with a one 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 uh, draw. But you know, being ahead one nil and missing a penalty and having the lion's share of the chances really, um, which has been a rarity of late, um, it is a bit disappointing. But you know, lots of drink and enjoyed myself, so no massive complaints. <laughs> you mentioned there that fans have. If if possible, somehow become even less uh, favored towards uh, keeping Tony Pulis at the club. Are you in that camp? And if you are, are there any names you're kind of eyeing up as potential incoming managers next season? Um, you know what? I've I've always been an advocate of, of results don't lie. You know, you can't. I'm not going to start chanting Pulis out at any stage. I don't think, or and I'm I'm not going to be you know, sticking hashtag Pulis out on, on the Twitter account or getting involved in anything like that because that's not that's not appropriate. And I think Tony Pulis has done a good job at the club. Um, it's the board's decision as to whether they think they want that style of football going forward. I think we've given Tony Pulis ample opportunity to adopt a bit more of an attacking approach. We've got, we've got attacking-minded players um, throughout the squad that fail... To, to get in the team every week. We've got McManaman sitting on the bench and not even on the bench. We signed Pritchard in January, he didn't get an opportunity. We had Gnabry the first half of the season, he didn't get an opportunity. Um, McLean, as, as good as he is in terms of hard work and effort, sometimes maybe for the last 20 minutes of games when his approach has not worked, you'd love to see you know a, an attacking-minded player get on. Um and that just hasn't been the case. I mean, against Bournemouth, just an example for you of the kind of substitutions that we do witness. Now, I'm not willing to know, you know, football as well as Tony Pudis, but um, 1-1 in a game at the end of the season, we're staying up, they're staying up. There's, there's nothing to play for, so you may as well try and go for a win. We've we've got about five minutes left on the clock, and it's 1-1. Um, and we took off uh, Jonathan Lecco, a uh, young lad who's been doing absolutely superb um, for our under twenty ones this season, and he's had a you know he's he's got his chance in the Premier League. He's just seventeen years old. He had a great game. He's brought off, and we bring on Sandro, a defensive midfielder. You know, you, you're looking for a for a positive bit of football and and you know an outlet on the wing, and you've brought on Sandro, and Sandro's a good player and he does his job well, but he's he's not needed when you need a goal, so. That's the sort of thing that does frustrate a lot of Baggies fans. I'm not Pulis out. There are plenty that are Pulis out, but I'm not. I'm, I'm also not looking forward to two or three more years of this if this is what having a team managed under Tony Pulis is. Does that explain it, or is that have I dodged the question? <laughs> no, I, I think we get it. You're not super thrilled about it. Um, is there any anybody you're eyeing because? I had this theory. Uh, you remember back when we used to have Scott on all the time? He was saying that first year for Everton was perfect because you had Roberto Martinez's attacking flair with still the defensive capabilities of what had previously been a Moyes team. Yeah. I'm just saying I, Martinez definitely has to be sacked from Everton. I don't think there's any chance of Tony Pulis employing Martinez anytime soon. To be honest, do you know what? If we was to appoint Martinez, I think the Baggies fans, after witnessing 
what they have done with Pulis would be overjoyed with the fact that we're going to see gung-ho football. And at least if we do concede three, we might score three or four. But I just can't see that happening. If Pulis were to leave, which I don't think that's going to happen, everything I'm hearing is that Pulis is well well set up to, to be starting the season again next year. Um, and that it will be just all ironed out to come the end of the season. But if he were to leave... And it was to be a disaster. I mean, you never know. Look how he left Palace. You never know what might happen. He could well be out of, out of the door. Um, I'd, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't know who I'd want us to go for. I'd like to think we'd be in for Pearson if he didn't go to Villa. Um, I think that's a kind of... You, you want someone that's going to be able to, to mix playing football with being able to keep a team in the Premier League. And, and they are hard to come by. Um there was, I think, there was a mention of Brendan Brendan Rogers in one of the uh, red top papers the weekend, and I can't see that coming off, you know. But mm. it, it, it could it could be anyone. It could be an unknown manager from, you know, it could be a French guy or a German guy or who knows, who knows. But I just hope that that when Pulis does go, if he doesn't go this this summer, that that we uh, we take his. Um, stubborn defensive solid setup and improve on it with some um, some attacking flair. All right, next up is Jamie. We had you on, uh, what was that, a week and a half ago, I suppose now. We asked you if you cared if you won the title, if you were just going up. You said clinching promotion was really the key thing. Now you've only gone in down both. You got a plastic trophy to prove it. What's just this whole whirlwind been like for you? Uh, well, firstly, it was an inflatable trophy, not a plastic one. I don't think even a plastic one would have been allowed because of health and safety <laughs> or whatever. Uh, yeah, as I, as I suspected beforehand, as soon as promotion was confirmed, I then really wanted to win the title. <laughs> but it, it was an amazing day out on the last day, one of the, the best days I think I've ever had supporting the club. The atmosphere was just incredible, the celebration mood. We played really well as well, which always helps. Um it's just a little bit of a shame that we didn't get a, a proper trophy celebration, although it was quite good banter to have an inflatable one just to show what a, a completely ridiculous decision it was. The images were pretty amusing. <laughs> well, this is it. This, like, this, it's one of the few opportunities that the Football League has to get widespread coverage when the end of the season comes and the trophies are handed out and all the images that are going to be across the media of Burnley winning the title, it's got an inflatable trophy and it looks absolutely ridiculous. But uh, I suppose it doesn't matter in the end. We'll get the trophy um, at our parade on Monday, so I suppose it's it's all um, it's all good in the end. But yeah, it was absolutely fantastic, and I think it every promotion feels different now. This this is our third in seven years, and I think the way that we've done it, we've been absolutely relentless. The second half of the season, we've been unbeaten twenty three games, a full half of the season without losing. And I just think we've proved that we're by far the best team in the league. And the hope is now that we'll we'll go on and carry some momentum into next season. Yeah, you mentioned there that, you know, obviously changed your mind as soon as you had promotion. You did want to win the title and you did go on to do that. What are you most looking forward to about being back in the Premier League this coming season? Well, uh, personally, a large proportion of my income is dependent on Burnley being in the Premier League. So I'm looking forward to... <laughs> having a higher class of, of food on my table. But um, I think we're actually going to have a go at it this time. The last two times we've been relegated and really deserved to be relegated. Whereas this time, I think, um, statistically, if you go up as champions, you're much more likely to stay up for starters. Um, I also think statistically, if you finish with over 90 points, you're more likely to stay up. So some of the numbers are in our favour. Um, the fact that there's the, the new TV deal coming in, obviously... Everyone gets that, so everyone's going to be rich. But I think that puts us in a very strong position now, and hopefully we can become established. Because I look at some of the clubs in the Premier League that are able to to survive at that level, and I don't think we're any smaller. I think we've got every chance of going on and becoming a club like Swansea, who are fairly safe mid-table most of the time. I don't see why we can't do that with some sensible investment and growth. Yeah, do you feel more confident seeing what some of these clubs have done, like, Watford and Bournemouth both achieved safety. Leicester, what they've done in two years has been absolutely remarkable. Does that kind of give you hope as a side coming back up that you will have a longer sustained period in the Premier League? 
Absolutely, but I suppose all all similar sized clubs will be thinking the same, won't they? I think one thing, watching the Premier League this year, there's obviously been some very poor teams in it. The three that go down are going to be particularly awful, but Sunderland might well stay up and they've been terrible for most of the season. Swansea were terrible for most of the season. Palace have been terrible for most of the season. There's a lot of bad teams in the Premier League, so if we've got to finish above three of them, then I think we'll probably be quite bad as well. Fair enough. Well, on that segue to Jay. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Jay. <laughs> Ouch. Jesus. <laughs> Welcome back, Jamie. <laughs> I went in quite a bit harder than I expected. I'm so, I'm so glad he didn't mention the Albion in that. Because, to be oh, honest, look. I think he's been much worse than Palace this season. <laughs> you somehow dodged that accusation. You kind of nailed that one. Um, but, Jay, to that point, you had been in a bit of a barren run. You do get the three points against what have now proven to be a, a faltering Stoke side. Are you are you feeling more confident now about next year with a, a positive result kind of heading into the end of the season, or has it not really changed much in your eyes? Yeah, Jamie's right in a way, actually. I mean, the first half of the season, as we know, was fantastic for us. We were pushing in, you know, the position in the top five, crazily enough. And that was when you know we were playing well, had all the players fit and available. And then injury started, loss of form, combination of different things. And that's kind of put us to you know a terrible 2016. I can't remember what the stat is. I think we've won two games in 19 now, which is, which is ridiculous. But I think the Premier League this year has been absolutely crazy. As we know, Leicester won a title and they're 10 points clear at the moment or, you know, Nobody would have predicted that. You know, we're in the cup final. Um, That's just amazing for me to actually reach the cup final. You know, we last reached it 25 years ago. I went to the semi final with my my father, and at the end of the game, he he stood there, he was quite emotional, and said, I never thought I'd see Palace in a cup final again in my lifetime, which kind of summed it all up for me. So, you know, there is, um, you know, we're looking forward to that. Obviously, the league form has been terrible. It's, it's, It's been difficult to kind of pinpoint exactly what the problem's been. Um, Pardew has had similar problems at other clubs um, thankfully we kind of got things together a little bit in April uh, with a couple of wins we beat Norwich which was you know which was a crucial win for us really um, and then after that it, it would have taken a monumental uh, seismic shift for, for us to actually be involved in that bottom three but there's always a mathematical chance um, so it was great to get the win yesterday against Stoke I think the second half of the season you know it's been a mixture of Poor decisions, um, poor tactics from Pardew. Pardew's been under pressure a lot from fans. A lot of fans don't want him to sign a new contract, oddly enough, even though he's got us to the FA Cup final. Um, The oddest thing is that we've played Premier League sides in the FA Cup. We've had a tough run to the final, to be fair. Uh, We've beaten three, is it four, Premier League sides on the way. uh, And we've not been able to kind of translate that into the Cup. Now, maybe that's something to do with the fact that we did do so well in the first half of the season. We were well positioned in the Premier League. Maybe there was a you know a decision to be made about Palace, you know, whether we do actually go for a cup comp, go for the FA Cup. I, I don't know whether that's the truth or not. It it just could be um, you know just a mere suggestion. But I haven't known a season like it for injuries. I really haven't. I mean, we had another one yesterday, Joe Ledley, uh, Melee, and that was missing yesterday with a knock. Um, I think I think every one of our first team players, uh, first choice players, have have been out for a um, you know a, a short time for for injury. And I've, I've I've really haven't known a season like it. But that's certainly not making excuses. We've got a squad of twenty five players. I think Pardew just needs to move on some of the deadwood which was left behind from Pulis time at the club um, and also Holloway when we first went up. We've still got a few players from from that kind of time as well. So it's going to be a big. Big summer ahead for him, but you know, on the flip side, we've got a cup final to look forward to. Um, only two teams get to the cup final, only one team can win it. Um, for me, that's just fantastic. Maybe it's papered over the cracks a little bit, but hey, let's let's get through this first, and then uh, get to the summer. See what Pardew does. For me, I think you know it's been a terrible run, no doubt about it. But we haven't played that badly in, in some. We've been we've been unlucky in a, in a fair few of the games, and I think a lot of it just shows how competitive the Premier League is this season. Um, winning yesterday was put us up to 14th, uh, which is crazy. Another win, we could actually finish uh, 12th in the table, uh, which is crazy considering that you know the, the, the 2016 we've had up to this date. So um, at the moment, it's you know I, I'm 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 happy. Um, 
I think Palmieri's earned at least the first ten games next season. At least, well, at least the summer to sort out some of the players, bring some of his own players in. There's no doubt, or well, no doubting, if he's allowed to go and get a couple of Newcastle players, perhaps you know you tend to <laughs> want your want your manager to go to and look at some pick off some of the best players from the teams that have gone down. I know it's not always. Um, almost possible because some teams actually want to give you know championship a, a good shot for a first time around, which is obviously what Burnley have done. Uh, and fair play to them, Congrats, congratulations to them and Jamie. It's brilliant to see them come back up. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm going to look forward to the cup final. Like majority of other Palace fans, there there is a few cynics around in terms of Palace fans. But you know, take the season for what it is. We've survived um, and we got to a cup final. I think if you'd have said that at the start of the season to to most Palace fans, I think the majority of them would have taken it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com All right, uh, for Tottenham it was a very rough weekend um starting with you know the images of Leicester hoisting the Premier League trophy that we obviously fought so hard for this season uh coming up short although uh based on their result beating Everton which we we kind of knew we wouldn't get any help from Everton if we were still in the title race obviously is what happens they didn't have Robert Huth uh Vardy coming back in his first game back people thinking oh well maybe they won't show up we saw all the pictures of them drinking midweek uh they, they show up they pummeled Everton anyway um, and then we go out and we lose to Southampton today. So, uh, finally, Spurs fans can kind of calm down with all of the what ifs, uh, as things didn't break out for us after that anyway. Um, then today, like I said, we, we lose to Southampton. We looked very decent for the first 20 minutes and then just all creativity left us. Uh, the, the absences of Della Ali and Musa Dembele were very, were very clear. Um, and we don't really have anything to replace him. We talked about this in the uh, team of the year slash player of the year conversation that I think Dembele should have been in team of the year ahead of Del Ali if you're picking a Tottenham midfielder at the time. We Tottenham had had four losses, and in four matches Dem, uh, Dembele hadn't started in central midfield, and now Dembele's missed five games in central midfield, and we have five losses. It, the impact he has on this team cannot be overstated because... It's not just how good he is in the side, which has been, he's been spectacular this year, but the drop off from him to Mason or him to Bentaleb, but Bentaleb was still fit, uh, is, is a massive one. And, and that's one of those areas that will need to be strengthened, uh, as we head into the Champions League next season. Of course, what the loss today does is it does not settle second place. Many, uh, Tottenham fans trying to jump in on the equally uh, cringing St. Totteringham's Day that Arsenal fans like to celebrate when they're guaranteed to finish above us. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that whole thing, but I do obviously want to finish above Arsenal. We could have done it with a win today. We didn't do it. We could have done it today with City beating Arsenal. They didn't do it. They got a draw. Uh, so now if we get a draw or a win against Newcastle, we'll finish in second. Um, or if Arsenal get anything but a win, we'd finish in second. Uh, but they face Aston Villa. So, you know, not fingers crossed. Also been a Spurs fan long enough to see plenty of last days of the season where we need Arsenal to do anything but win uh, and it not help us <laughs> two times recently at being Newcastle. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully we can turn that around. I was mentioning before, a few boos rung out at the full-time whistle, but most fans uh, stayed behind. Uh, to still applaud the lap of honor. I was joking around with these guys before we started recording. It was like, we kind of hate you for the performance today, but we love you for what you've done this season. 
Would I prefer there have just been no booze? Probably. But at least they kind of like turned it around, redeemed themselves a little bit uh, with the lap of honor. Uh, but the whole are you staying behind, are you cheering on your manager or your team is actually what I want to discuss as the topic today. Because Manuel Pellegrini, after three years at Manchester City, is leaving the club, won a Premier League, won a couple of domestic cups, took City to their deepest run in their Champions League history. And if you see the images, we'll put it up with uh, this podcast, almost nobody was there. The, uh, half the fans had left, maybe three quarters even is what some people are reporting. Also, when you're building a stadium, don't use vibrantly colored seats. It just makes the absences all the clearer. Uh, but Pellegrini stayed behind. I think all of us know that he's a well-respected manager in the Premier League. He had gotten a little testy with the media the last couple months, but how could he not with every question being about Pep Guardiola? Uh, he said some very positive things, which a lot of City fans wouldn't know, uh, as they didn't stay behind, um, unfortunately. But he was talking about uh, that he'll never forget the fans and that he hopes they don't change, which seems more of an indictment than the praise I think he intended. Um, he's basically the ex-girlfriend saying she genuinely just haps you, hopes you find happiness. You're like, no, be mean to me or something. Um, but he mentioned that. He mentioned the three years that he really enjoyed being there, that they were the most wonderful years and that they're unforgettable. But with the fans not sticking around, a lot of it sounds hollow. So for you guys... How much respect or gratitude do you think fans owe to managers? And should their level of success be a factor in it? I don't think that fans of fans of any club really owe, owe a manager respect. Um, I think a manager does have to earn respect. And I think that things are, are probably slightly different to how they were maybe 15, 20 years ago when there was a, probably a bit more unconditional support for your club. Um, whereas now there's a lot more money in the game, especially at the top end in the Premier League, and, and it is more of a product. It's less of a, um, you know, you have to go and support your team because it's your local team and, and, and get behind them regardless. And there's been days where I've followed the Albion and you know you're going to lose week in, week out, and it's just not a problem because you just turn up because it's what you do being a fan and you don't boo and you just support them and try and get them through it. But I don't think that's the mentality nowadays of, of your typical average Premier League fan. Of course, you've got what you'd probably say more supportive and less supportive and more re- reactionary supporters and, you know, different kinds of people. But I think nowadays, yeah, you do, I think, to a degree, and I, I agree to a degree probably, that you do have to prove yourself as as, as a manager being paid a, a very large sums of money. Um, the, the players as well are being paid a lot of money. Um, and fans, you know, fans are fairly demanding of entertainment. And why wouldn't there be with the inflated, you know, ticket prices? You, you can't watch a Premier League game for, for less than 25 quid, really. Um, and I did actually, believe it or not, I, I, I worked out um, in comparison with inflation, if ticket prices um, had gone up from, from what they used to be for the Albion um, in the early 80s, in, in, in terms of inflation, they'd be around £15 in today's money. So we, wow. are paying, we are paying a lot more for our football when you consider that some matches at the Orphans have been um, 40 quid this season. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I do think that fans have, have got every right to, uh, to be judgmental of a manager and not stick around at the end to, to applaud him. But I think in this particular instance... Um, the City fans are, are really being slightly un, unfair. Um, and it just it does show the short-termism, the fact that if Man City had have won that game, I personally think there would have been a lot more fans there. If they'd have gone and won that game 3-1, 3-0, or a last-minute winner and everyone's happy with, with the performance, I think because they haven't yet made the Champions League, and he, they might not make the Champions League, it's almost a well, why should we applaud, applaud this? But, you know, you've got to have the mindset that this manager, has, he's, won, uh, he's won two Capital One Cups, although some might disregard that as not important for a club of Man City's size. Um, he's won the Premier League for them, and he's also got them to a Champions League semi-final. And, and for Man City, as a team that, uh, you know, in the days of Mancini, they, they really couldn't get past the group stage in the, in the Champions League. 
Um, that's not, it's, it's, you know, it's not to be, uh, it's not to be scoffed at really. And at the end of the day, not not every team in the Premier League is ever going to be able to win the league. You can't have four champions. You can't have five champions. And and some teams are going to miss out for whatever reason. Um, and I think they've done a, uh, they've been a bit unfair. Um, you 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 probably need to check out the photo for the people listening. Um, or or just Google search the um, the the image of uh, the amount of people that left the ground, and I think that is yeah, it's a bit it's a bit over the top. You, if the team had been relegated, I'd probably still expect a few more than that to turn up and and or to stay at the end. I think Dan's right about the the short termism. I think one of the problems is that managers seem to change clubs so often. You you just about get used to one manager, and you you learn to love their quirks and the weird things that they come out with and then they're gone and some other balls come in and you have to get used to them so um but yeah Dan's right Pellegrini's achieved a lot at Manchester City I don't think they've fully appreciated what he's done for that club and you can argue about what another manager might have done but he's been the man in charge and he I think he's done a good job overall okay it's not gone so well in the last few months of the season but I think the the announcement that Pep Guardiola was going to come in and replace him has probably had some sort of impact. I know their form was on a downturn before that happened, but I can't see how that was helpful, undermining him by saying he was going to be replaced at the end of the season despite all the speculation suggesting that that was the case. Um, It's funny how it works out at different clubs. We had um, on Monday our promotion party at Turf Moor, the guy doing the the analysis for the TV company was a former manager of ours called Steve Cottrell, who he stabilised the club, I think is the fairest way of putting it. He was in charge for maybe three seasons, um, but at one point we went 18, 19 league games without winning. And there aren't many clubs, there just aren't many clubs that will put up with that. But anyway, Cottrell was there doing the game for TV, and he walked down in front of the main stand, um, presumably because that's where they were doing the, the half-time stuff or whatever. And he got an incredible reception. I was stood there thinking, really? This is a guy who, he didn't really take us forward. We tr- we trotted water for a little bit and he made some decent signings, but the football was terrible most of the time. So I think sometimes the, the time and the space and the distance, it it helps to bring into focus what people have done. I think if... If it had been a bit later, Pellegrini might have got a bit more support. I'm sure City fans will look back more fondly on his time in charge than than maybe now, where they're more thinking about the last few months and how it's gone a bit wrong. But even then, the, the fine margins in football, all right, they were fairly terrible at Real Madrid in the Champions League, but they could have still got something there. They could have got to the Champions League final, and then surely everyone would be calling him a genius. So I suppose that's just football, isn't it? Yeah, Dan and Jamie are so right, actually. A lot of comments I agree with. I think the biggest factor for me is that just looking at the Pellegrini situation today and the, and, and the real lack of support for him, you know, for, for his speech, I, I find that incredible because it's not not so long ago that City were actually floundering in the Championship or, or League One even. The fans can't be that short-sighted to, to not remember where they came from. I just find that incredible. This season, they've got to the Champions League semi-final within touching distance of the final. They've won the, the League Cup. But Pellegrini's done a great job for them. And I think it's been treated terribly this season by the announcement they were going to bring um, Pep Guardiola in. And obviously, Pellegrini's running a club um, to a point where he's not going to be manager, you know, in, in knowing that he's not going to be manager next season, which must be difficult, must be really tough um, for him. He comes across as an honest guy. Um, I just think he's been been harshly treated and that just sums it up today that kind of you know the fans leaving like they did in their droves it kind of supports the club more than it does the manager itself who's done them a good service uh for me um the, the point about whether you know managers owe us owe us that i mean for me i think i i, I i've i've always stayed behind to to applaud the players it's not it's it's not just the manager it's it's everybody involved i mean i guess it would be different if there's a scenario where you know teams have been relegated but i've been there with palace and and sinister relegated on the last day of the season and still stood there and applauded the players because it's all, it's often been a case that they've put in a good shift you know there are some individual players that you might point to that haven't played particularly well that season or even a manager himself hasn't done particularly well that season for the club but 
you can't treat everybody in 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 the same manner. You, you, there must be somebody there that you think has done a really good job for the club, you know, over the over the course of the season. Um, so it's not just one person. It, you know, it is a team game, and it, there's going to be people, even if a team is relegated, um, that have performed well. Um, and for me to, to to shun them in that way that you know, you've gone along every game of the season to to support the club and then turn your back on them at the end because they haven't done what you expected them to, I find find a little bit harsh. But then you know, we all know football fans. Are, are fickle are fickle things at the best of times. Um, I mean, I experienced yesterday some Palace fans are booing at halftime. We're 1-0 down against Stoke at the halftime whistle. Didn't think we played particularly badly. Um, and, and Stoke kind of hit us on a break and, and scored a goal. And there was a few boos around the ground. And I'm kind of amused by that, really, um, in a way. I know it's been a tough run, um, but we're almost at the end of the season. That win yesterday, I mean, that win yesterday just proved it. The second 45 was a great half of football. Um, both teams going at it. We got an early goal and we actually ended up winning the game. So you kind of think, you know, booing at half time. Yeah, I'm not a fan of people booing. Um, but for me, I know I stuck around yesterday to see the Palace team do a circuit of uh, of the pitch and uh, listen to what Parge had to say. A little bit different for us this year because, you know, we have we have survived. We've had a terrible second half season, but like I mentioned, you know, got the cup final coming up. So, um, yeah, there are some good things uh, that we can look forward to. But um, for the most part, I'd, I'd stick around even if the club were relegated. Yeah, I, I think there's just a whole bunch of, um, as you guys have said, just short-termism at the club. Uh, I have not independently confirmed this. It was just being tweeted about earlier. But if City fall to fifth, it's reported that it would be their sixth best finish in Premier League history. And that is really a statement on the the kind of shift in expectations that's happened for them. And and the fact that Pellegrini won them a title and did all these great things. Like I, I do think that success has to have an impact on it because... Unless I'm wrong, because Mancini got one, isn't he only the second manager for Manchester City to have won the Premier League? So that's a that's a pretty small group. So the fact that you're shunning one that that's on his way out, I, I think, is is fairly disgraceful. I, I you only ever hear nice things about him. Like I said, he was always really nice. If if not, um, dis, I don't want to say dispassionate. But he, he just always seemed uh, in control. And when we first signed Pochettino, I, I noted that it was pretty funny that Pochettino did something Pellegrini used to do, which was have really selective English. Uh, if there was a question he didn't like, he'd be like, okay, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then just kind of move on. Uh, I'm not sure if that, that helped or hindered him in the long run. It, it doesn't really earn the love of the, of the media. But he always seemed uh, a fairly competent manager. They, you know, they went out and bought Sterling. Maybe that didn't work out as well as they thought, but that that was always a signing for the future. That was never supposed to be just for this season. Um, and you have a whole lot of aging players that he's still trying to get the best out of. Torres passed his best. All four of their wing backs are past their best. Um, company's been injured in and out through the year. Aguero was injured again. Silva has had probably his worst year in a city kit. It, it, this this I don't I don't like that all the blames being placed at his at his feet. But um, you know, as, as you guys are saying, that is football. That's the job. You got to get the best out of what you have. Yep, Wilfried Boney. That obviously didn't work out at all. Um, so I, I I think a it's harsh that he lost his job. I don't disagree that if you can get Pep Guardiola in, then why not? Although Pellegrini and Pep Guardiola both made it to the semifinal of the Champions League. Um, don't take that seriously, listeners. I don't, I don't need your angry tweets. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I really think that they should have stuck around. This is somebody that, despite struggles recently, um, could even be considered in like the pantheon of people that have done great things at, at Manchester City. And what, he ends up with three trophies, I believe. So it, I think it is a bit ludicrous that people didn't even stick around for that. And I think it shows a, a lack of perspective that City fans are getting so frustrated um, by what may be still a Champions League-placed finish. All right, now we will head into Player Watch, where we'll quickly discuss a player who impressed us and one who disappointed us in our most recent match. Uh, we'll start off with Dan and your match against Bournemouth. Um, for a player that impressed, I would 
Um, I would probably say Jonathan uh, Jonathan Leco or Leco. Um, I'm not sure on his pronunciation, um, but he's he's just burst onto the scene pretty much. He's he's been a he's been a phenomenal player in terms of under 21 football for the club this season. Um, he's been like the shining star really, um, and he's earned his chance um, for you know in, in a Tony Pulis team. Tony Pulis, as we know, doesn't really like players unless they're 32 or old, older. So, you know, he, he's he's done well to get himself in with a shout. Um, you know, he, he he's a bit he um, I don't know what the right words. He, he's he's a bit fearless. He um, because you know he's not used to playing in the Premier League. He's not used to probably the pressures that come with it. He's just been thrust into the action and told just you know go and go and do your thing and. He took opposition by surprise. You know they don't know him, and the managers probably don't know him. You know the, the talent that he's got, and they haven't scouted him properly. And he's, he's just—he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Um, yesterday there was a point where he held the ball up really well in the uh, in the lead up to our goal, um, and in the week previously he had a very good game as well. So hopefully he's one for the future, and uh, you know potential. You know he's got the potential to be great. You know he's 17 years old, and if you think that we're uh, we're talking about you know the likes of um, the likes of your man at Spurs, you know Deli Ali, and he's just approaching 20. You know he's got three years on him. Um, you know there's there's plenty of growing room, and and it's good to see a, a player coming through. For a player to to uh, to miss, I'd probably say. Mm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that any of our players performed badly. Um, I would say I'm not happy that Ben Foster's been put back into the side following Boaz Myhill's great performance at Spurs. Um, I think it, it's it's a bit frustrating because there's not much really between the two goalkeepers, and and Boaz Myhill's performed m- much more than adequately when he's been called upon. Um, and I just I don't like the idea of throwing Ben Foster in as soon as he recovers from his injury, but. No, no real complaints. Uh, fairly okay, happy with a point. All right, Jamie, it might be hard to find a player that disappointed in a title-winning match, uh, but uh, do your best, I guess. Yeah, I think it's 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 not appropriate to really single out individuals at all from the game. Uh, but the one player I, I do want to talk about is Michael Duff, who I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but his agent said on Twitter that he's going to retire, um, which I think we've we've all seen coming. Duff's basically he'd been at the club like 10, 11 years. He cost a whopping £35,000, if you can even believe that players cost that much money. £35,000, <laughs> that's like two days' wages for a lot of Premier League players. And he's made over 300, like 350 appearances to the club, so he's been an absolute bargain. Um, he's played a bit of a bit part role this season, to be honest. He started for the first half of the season then, um, after a 3-0 defeat at Hull, where he was really starting to look his... 38 years old I think he was at the time he was phased out of the team I think is a, a nice way of putting it dropped is, is the more realistic way of putting what happened to him and after <laughs> that we've been almost impeccable so it's it's a bit of a shame that he, he ended his career out of the team but there was nice moments at the end of the game at Charleston with our match won obviously it was 3-0 soon after um, the start of the second half so there was no pressure the title was won um, the, the result elsewhere meant that even if we'd lost the game we were still going to win the title so it was a perfect opportunity to bring on a player who's, who's served the club absolutely impeccably there's been so many times when Michael Duff's been written off players have been signed to replace him and he started seasons out of the team not even in the squad sometimes and he's just weaseled his way back in because he's so reliable never lets anyone down he's utterly dependable and he seems like a fantastic bloke as well. It's a real shame that he's not going to be playing for us again. But I suppose time passes, doesn't it? It comes to everyone in the end. And he's had an exceptional run. He's had serious injuries that he's come back from, even deep into his 30s. But I, I believe he's done his coaching badges and he will be staying at the club. So that's positive that he'll still be around. But I think it's so rare these days that, that players stay at one club for so long as... Most clubs tend to have one or two one-club men, and the fact that we've had a player for 10 years, with all the upheaval that we've had at the club, we've had three promotions that he's seen us through. Two relegations, of course, as well, but we'll try and 
um, ignore them as much as possible. But he's been fantastic. He's one of the most popular Burnley players in recent memory, I think, and it was fitting that he was on the pitch at the end when we confirmed that we were going back to the Premier League and, and winning the, the Football League title. So fantastic for Duff, and I think all Burnley fans will be absolutely delighted with, with his contribution. And I absolutely don't want to pick on anyone's bad performance, partly because <laughs> I don't think anyone played that badly. And also because I was too busy. How about the uh, FA for giving you a fake trophy? (laughs) Yeah, the FA for not giving us a trophy so we had to have an inflatable. Uh, The Football League, I think it was, not the FA. We've got to blame the right organisation. But yeah, I've already (laughs) ranted about what a stupid and ridiculous decision that was. (laughs) I think Joey Barton put it best where he said, like, it's an absolute joke that the trophy was at Middlesbrough, who had like a 1% chance of winning the league or something, yet they wouldn't let us present it because Charlton fans were going to have a protest. It's just very stupid and left a, a little bit of a bad taste in, in the mouth. But at the end of the day, we're the league champions. We know we are. And as Sean Dyche put it, I think he said, uh, the medal is my brain. We don't need medals. The medal is my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to many more insane quotes next season from Sean Dyche. Um, all right. And uh, Jay, who impressed and who disappointed in your win against Stoke? I was just going to say, I can uh, got a few comparisons for, from what Jamie was saying there. We got about five or six players still playing for Palace who actually got us up uh, this year. Uh, well, no, a few, a few years ago now. We're just about to enter our fourth Premier League campaign. I think there's five or six players which, you know, are, are, the, are the backbone of our of, of our squad. So that I, I love seeing players stick around and I can really see that with Burnley and, and, and the player that uh, Jamie just mentioned. So that, that's great stuff. Um, for me... Yeah, it was a it was it was a mixed performance I think because we started really well yesterday. First 10 15 minutes, you know, there's the, the a real feel good factor around the ground, you know, obviously we've got to the FA Cup final. I'll, I'll mention that again so we won't get in a few times before we we finish the pod, but um <laughs> yeah, it's a real feel good factor around the ground for the game and and, and the fans were as loud as as we normally are. Obviously sun was out, so it's yeah, a real good feeling. So the, the players kind of responded to that in the first 10 15 minutes we really had a go at Stoke and it, it, similar scenario we couldn't get that goal, so Stoke started coming into the game and put us under a bit of pressure and and, and they got their goal. So that was kind of the first half. The second half a few good performances for us really. Yannick Balassi really turned it on the second half. He was kind of missing first half, but he was uh, he set up um, Gale's first goal again. Gale two goals, fantastic. You know he got a start and and did what he um, well should should be doing really. Um, he hasn't really had many chances this season, but he ends up being our top scorer uh, so far with seven goals in all competitions, which is which is a bit crazy. But he did get a hat trick in one of the League Cup games, so it kind of explains why. But um, but for me, uh, disappointing players. Uh, there's two for me. Scott Dan didn't have a very good game. He hasn't had a very good few weeks actually. He's he's been a bit, bit hit and miss. He made a big error um, early on, which let in Shakiri, but luckily Hennessy saved it. So um, I think he's carrying a knock because he he, he kind of went down a bit on his haunches yesterday, um, and he, he received he had a bit of treatment for a while a couple of games ago. So while we're just kind of getting him through to, to the end of the season, perhaps I'm not making excuses. He's he's not been that great. Johan Gabay yesterday was really out of sorts. He can't. He let Charlie Adam get under his uh, under his skin too much, and you know, skillful but good players. You know, he, he must have experienced it elsewhere, but he, he really let it get to him. And um, both Adam and Glenn, um, is it Glenn Whelan, were really giving him some treatment during that first half, and he ended up being subbed at half time. But those are two that kind of disappointed. I think it, it, the the one you have to say that impressed was uh, was Dwight Gale because he he really did. Take his chance with both hands. Obviously, you know we've got the cut fine on on horizon. So you're going to want players to uh, really be trying to get into that into that first eleven. Um, one person I'll probably give a shout out to is uh, Jordan Much. Actually, he came on with about well, Joe Lilly came on at halftime for Yanka, but only lasted eight minutes. Got another injury, went off. Jordan Much came on. No, he's much maligned at Palace. A lot of fans don't like him. Don't know why he's at the club. Um, but when he plays, I mean, I think. His last start for us, he covered 11 kilometres in a game, which says an awful lot about the type of game he plays. He's had a lot of injuries since he's come to Palace, um, so he hasn't really had the chance to get back in the side. But he came on yesterday, and he looked he looked good. You know, he looked fit. He looked uh, raring to go, as you would expect for a player that's not getting a chance. Um, you know, strong in a tackle and, uh, and 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 was box to box again. So him and Macarthur in the middle were were were, ju- were just excellent. 
Yeah, for Tottenham, hard to find a player that particularly impressed. Maybe Hyungman Son, who was uh, the goal scorer as well. He, he made a huge impact, as I'm sure you'll remember, Jay, uh, early on in the season, scoring a winner against Palace. But <laughs> his, his first touch has really let him down a lot this season. Um, but he took it around the keeper today, put two people on their backs before slotting home. It, it was pretty impressive. The pace that he offers is something that we don't really have anywhere except for our wing backs with Walker and Rose. So that is an interesting dimension. We did get to see a little bit of Clinton injury, but he really didn't do much of anything at all. Really, the big surprise is that Hugo Lloris is the one that's been disappointing, and he's been disappointing for the better part of the last three matches. Now, you don't expect any keeper to save the hazard goal from last week. I think the second goal today from Stephen Davis, he was unsighted on, but there wasn't a lot of power behind it. But the first one there, um, not to... uh, disgruntle Dan there, but I, I think Hugo could have done better in that Albion match as well. Just, uh, it's you don't expect that from the, the your club captain and somebody that I think many people hold in their top five best goalkeepers in the world, and he, he really hasn't been up to snuff. Um, so hopefully he can uh, sort that out and have a great uh, campaign at the World Cup, or, or if not, waiting until then, hopefully next week, uh, to help us uh, secure second place and all of the money that comes with it, which, as I mentioned on the show before, the team that comes in second place this year will make more money than Chelsea did last year as champions, such as the increase in the TV deal. So uh, hopefully we can uh, achieve that, and if we do, hopefully Hugo Lloris will be a big part of that. All right, and there are uh, no previews because somehow we managed to get four people on, none of whom have double game weeks, despite there being plenty of those. Uh, So we are done for the day. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Cheers for listening. I've been Dan from a Twitter account, Baggies Facts, formerly a website too. Um, maybe that might get up and running at some point soon again. So, yeah, maybe. Um, so uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, I also check out my uh, ramblings for uh, for Jay's website where I, uh, I, I talk about the Premier League in general. Cheers for listening, Ty. I've been Jamie Smith. I host the Burnley FC podcast, None and Ever, which you can listen to at net, or you can also follow me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Hi guys, thanks for listening, I'm Jay I'm editor of Eagles Beak, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at the Eagles Beak, I also work on a local radio community football show called Back on Net, you can get us on Twitter at underscore Back Net underscore and a latest project, I was guest editor of the 5 Year Plan fanzine which went on sale at the ground yesterday almost sold out but you can get uh, copies online, virtual um, electronic copies online. So if you go over to uh, fypfanzine.uk, uh, you can grab a copy if you're interested. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, I also write over at theeaglesbeak.com doing a fantasy article per week. Next week, obviously, the last one of the season, which is uh, crazy to say. Um, but you can also check out my player updates and uh, rankings over at playtaga.com. We also host the FPL Roundtable on this very channel. You can catch that on Thursdays. And as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.